Well, welcome to the live roundtable discussion Wednesday, January 24th. My apologies for uh, no sit rep on Monday. I was decisively engaged and uh, couldn't break away. Uh, unlike other folks that do this for a living, I don't. Uh, I have a day job, put it that way. And I, there's times I can't break away. And I've, I, uh, I've been in the security business for a long time and I run security for a very large organization. And when there's stuff going on, it's all hands on deck. And it's not something I can step away from. But it's been an interesting week, I'll tell you that much. We've seen a lot of uh, activity this week. And I know everybody's got questions um, about current events. We'll get to that. Um, some housekeeping notes. Uh, Bracken won't be on tonight. He, he messaged me earlier and said he's got something else going on. Um, Colonel Conrad won't be here for a while. We have a new Lieutenant Colonel joining. His name's Lieutenant Colonel Bruce Johnson. He'll uh, Hopefully he'll be here and there won't be any issues. Um, anyway, he's uh, looks like he's trying to set up his, uh, his equipment and get his mic squared away, which is a typical theme here for a live show. We spend uh, 30 minutes during uh, all shows doing cursory IT setup. And uh, it's, it's uh, you know, one of the perks of doing a live show, as you know, that it's not, there's nothing that's recorded because, uh, yeah, it, it literally works out the way it works out. And we deal with what we deal with as it comes up, which is uh, always entertaining to say the least. But um, I want to start tonight and talk through the lake situation because I had a ton of, and I knew I would, there are a ton of, a ton of questions, a ton of comments um, that, um, showed up in the, well, they showed up in two places, right? Showed up in email, showed up in Telegram. I posted in the, uh, in the comments section, I posted where you can find us, where you can find Troop, where you can find Matt Bracken, and where you can find uh, the podcast um, throughout the week, because I get tons of questions for how do I find Troop. There it's is ironic since I haven't even found myself yet. Well, there's that, there's that, and we could go into that in detail, but that would be like five different shows. I posted the link to Sean Ryan's uh, interview with Billy Carson. I don't know who Billy Carson is, um, but it's worth a listen. And uh, kudos to Sean Ryan because the the dude does six hour interviews. And I I don't know about the rest of you, but if I'm gonna you know sit there and listen to a an audible book for six hours, I at least want to have, um, you know, some intermittent breaks. So anyway, the, uh, the interview is worth listening to because he's talking about forbidden technology, which I don't know if all of you have picked this up over the last few months, but since November, December, we've seen an uptick in conversations about hidden technology, UFOs, alien contact, alien experiences. And as I said before, there's a number of disclosures that are coming and I, and I believe they're setting the public up for disclosures. And I, this is, uh, to me, Sean Ryan is a dissemination note because he's still on YouTube. He hasn't been censored. He's doing sensitive conflict, uh, content. He's talking to a variety of people that would normally be banned off of YouTube and, you know, guys like Jordan Sather and uh, Corey Good, guys that have been in the UFO uh, area for years, were all banned back in 2019, 2020. So 
you're going to see more disclosure. Some of it's used as distraction. And some of it is being used to keep people's eyes off of what's really going on at the border, what's going on overseas, the situation in Ukraine. All of those things matter. And um, which brings me to the lake stuff. We might as well talk about that now. The, from what I understand, the lake video or audio was recorded in February of 2023. And I've heard that from four different people. A couple of people on my channel posted it. What's significant is every time I see something like this, I always ask the question, why now? Because this everything that's posted has to pass the so what test. So what does this have to do with the bigger picture? And in most cases, we see these inflammatory videos or audio or, or even uh, transcripts that come out and people immediately react to it. But nobody asks the question, why? Why now? Why is this important? Why is she releasing this now? And if you want my honest opinion, that was way too scripted for me to believe that it wasn't a setup. Because the way Carrie, Carrie Lake responded, and, and I'm, not, I'm not criticizing Carrie Lake. I'm giving you the, the, the way I see this playing out and my, my personal cynical view of the whole thing versus I think this guy is right or wrong. I don't, I'm not looking at it from that perspective. I'm looking at this from the perspective of the information war. How does this disrupt the elite? And this does a couple of things. To, before I get there, Carrie Lake is sounds like she's reading a script, and that's the way I heard it. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but that's the way I heard it. But what I was really interested in when the the conversation went down, and the and when I listened to all of it, was two things. Number one, who is the deep dark on the other end on the East Coast? Number two, and I and I could tell you who I thought it was, and it turns out that is who it is. And number two, why aren't people up in arms about the fact that this guy nonchalantly says that the cartels are operating in 50 states? No one, not even the press, not even Steve Bannon, said a word about any of that. Not one word. And you have to ask the question, no, no, Deegan, that's BS, because news reporters by and large, are the dumbest fucking people on this planet. She's She might be a news reporter, but you don't have those canned responses to something like that unless you were rehearsed this or you were ready for the call and you knew it was coming. Every, every news reporter I've ever met has been as dumb as a sack of hammers. And most of the newscasters that are on TV are so stupid, they have to reread the teleprompter because they can't even read English. So, no, I'm not buying into that. Hang on, let me add uh, Lieutenant Colonel Johnson. Colonel Johnson, can you hear me? Yes, how's it sound on my end? You sound loud and clear. Welcome to the roundtable. And uh, before I go, I was just ranting on Carrie Lake's, um, Carrie Lake's audio file. Before we go any farther down that, why don't you give folks a little bit of background and where you came from? I could do it, but it's, it's more entertaining when you do it. <laughs> um, let's see, uh, 27 and a half year, uh, air force, uh, and guard and reserve veteran airline pilot, 
mainly flew uh, heavies in the Air Force, C-141s and KC-135s in the Guard and some other airplanes. I've seen the whole world uh, from the sky and uh, seen vividly firsthand how uh, what our government tells to uh, the American populace is not not what uh, is going on in reality in the world and not not what our government is doing in reality in the world. They don't usually match up exactly. Um, and uh, I care a lot about our country and our future and the future for my kids. And uh, that's what motivates me. That's why I'm here, just like you guys. Cool. Well, thanks for that. Greetings so we were just talking about Cary Lake and my cynical, you know, my cynical information hat popped on as soon as I, I started listening to it. And Troop, I know you have a lot to say in this, so just give me a minute and bear with me because I know you have in-depth knowledge of Jeff DeWitt and the whole political system as well as uh, Lake in that camp. So I'll give you a, a lot of time to talk on this one. But suffice it to say that my cynical hat went on and the question that, that we're really circling around now is why now? So Troop, I'll let you go. For those of you that don't know, Carrie Lake was a newscaster in Arizona for, I think, almost 30 years, maybe 30 years. And she supported Obama in the first election, I think the second election. She was always a good newscaster. She's always been well-liked in Arizona. And she started, I mean, before cable and before everybody was jumping off the television, it was a, a pretty reliable uh, predictable kind of newscasting industry. When she started after the 2020 election, she came in hot and heavy. And the first challenges that she had overcome is, hey, you supported Obama. Hey, you're a newscaster. You're a member of the media. So I think a lot of her firebranding has been a rebranding to get her to be a conservative candidate. And I always question the whole tape delay as well. That obviously was planned. And this, for those of you that hear us say campfire discussion, that means campfire discussion. That means you you leave the phones at home and you go camping and you have a discussion around a campfire unless you want it recorded. Assume it's being recorded. Um, the, the big things that are happening this week is, first of all, Trump is having a rally in Phoenix at the Dream City Church. This is the same Dream City Church that we had our Maricopa County GOP convention at two weekends ago, where we replaced all the uh, members at large with a, a MAGA slate. And this following Saturday, so Friday's Trump, and Carrie Lake's obviously going to be there. The Saturday, the very next day, is the state GOP convention for, America, uh, for Arizona. And we're going to elect the first vice chair and some other people, and now we're, gonna, we're going to have to elect a chairman because DeWitt to my surprise, retired. I never expected a, a self-promoting narcissist shitbag who's a member of the deep state to, first of all, ever admit any guilt, and second of all, abdicate any kind of power. So that that really did shock me when he when he put out that uh, that release. But he did, in fact, use that same term, selectively edited or selectively recorded, whatever he said in, in his abdication statement when Brian Ferentz released something now, Brian Ferentz is a firebrand. He used to be an admin on my AFPP political channel, and he is still a member at large at the county level in Maricopa County, and he has a, a website where he's gone after 
me, Marissa Her uh, Hamilton, and a few other people, but he really doesn't like Jeff DeWitt. And you have to you have to read through that vitriol that is Brian Ferentz to get to the little morsels of truth and in, in some of what he says. Uh, but he did go after DeWitt, and DeWitt responded with the same thing about this. Oh, well, you, you, you recorded me, or you selectively edited what I said. That's not what I said. Um, I don't really think that washes here, Steve, because would you literally tell somebody to suspend their campaign for two years because people from back east are controlling you? That means that you're a subversive piece of shit. I don't care how many pieces of tape were spliced together. That seemed like a pretty contiguous statement to me. And he, he just can't he just can't get around it because he's done a bunch of other stuff to really damage the Republican Party coming into it. And it started with him running for the uh, leadership position for the state GOP. He came in, I was a CEO of NASA or, or whatever, the CFO of NASA, and I ran Trump's campaign and I have this big pedigree. He comes in to the state party. The first thing he does is he sells a building that was donated to the GOP. And then he gets this pretty expensive office space downtown. And I believe he's leasing half of it to pay for the other half that the GOP is using. But this is a perpetual lease and we aren't getting any money uh, down at the LDs. One of the things he ran on as, as a party leader was I'm going to give every legislative district $20,000 ahead of the election so that you guys can, can plan your attack and engage the Democrats. That never happened. Uh, the, the, he's put out a couple of press releases where he said, well, I got a bunch of donations. I got 300K, but the burn rate of the GOP has been 300K. So really he hasn't put any money in the state coffers for the uh, Arizona GOP party. And this pretty much, I think, was the, the end of him, even though that was already coming. There's no way he would have got reelected. So I put out a video on, on the political channel I run and also the, the question that uh, Steve and I were talking about uh, before the show, which is who's, who's going to come to replace Jeff DeWitt now that he's resigned. And I want to warn everybody who's a state committeeman. I'm a state committeeman that whoever steps forward and they're the golden child and the peacemaker is probably just a direct replacement for Jeff DeWitt. So I'm hoping everybody's going to use their discernment and they're going to listen closely at the conference on Saturday. But I just guarantee you, uh, you know, why did this drop now? It dropped because Carrie's in a fight. She's running against Sheriff Lamb, who, you know, every, every woman that hasn't seen him without his cowboy hat on is in love with him. So she's competing with that. And Lamb's campaign is kind of fizzling out because he really isn't doing a whole lot in his county with the border crisis. So she needs a little bit of energy behind her. So what better time to drop this tape? She already knows everybody hates Jeff DeWitt. She does it two days before Trump gets here. And she's doing it at the same uh, convention center, basically, the Dream City Church, the day before the state GOP convention. So she's going to get a lot of mileage out of this. I don't, I don't think that she is... 100% genuine MAGA, you know, selfless humanitarian. That's, that's bullshit. She is a newscaster. She's really good at what she does. I respect her and she's smart as a whip. And the thing I like about her the most is she, first of all, she's not afraid of conflict, but second of all, she can back it up. She can think on her feet. She doesn't need a teleprompter. She's very well versed in all the issues. She isn't looking at her notepad or, or glancing over to an advisor and she's just a, a very dynamic person. I, I think she's probably going to win. And I give politicians a lot of latitude because I know all of them are dishonest.
So you you kind of have to go with that Reagan thing. Are they are they eighty percent um, more in the direction that I think we need to go, or are they twenty percent enemy? And I, I do believe that if she goes to Congress, she's she's gonna she's gonna be better than the other candidates that we have. So I'll, I'll close with that. Bruce, your thoughts? Um, I'm not too involved uh, as far as understanding the Arizona political scene, but um, I did hear a lot, most of the audio this morning. I think Infowars had it on. I was listening to that, and uh, yeah, it seems like she had the guy dead to rights, and I do see that he just uh, resigned uh, today from his position, so that's that's encouraging. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I, I, as far as the timing, I've been focused uh, – mostly on the border issues the last few days, just watching that and watching what's happening with the Eagle Pass thing. So I'm kind of distracted by that from from the uh, Arizona. Well, we, might as, we might as well make that transition because I think that's a good segue. I mean, we'll see what happens in the next few days. I th Troop, I think you're right about um, about Lake. I think she's she's tactical. She is very smart. And let me just put that on the table because I, I have interacted with her and her team during the last election, she's a very smart, she's smart cookie. She has, unlike Trump, she had very good people around her. Very good, very smart too. And I, you know, for our sake, I, I look at all of the, I, I look at all the candidates that we've, we have on the table, but here's the bottom line. She's run against Mark Kelly. Mark Kelly was installed. They're going to try and install Mark Kelly again. So this is really going to come down to, is this the, the red line for the American public? Because it should be. We, we, if the American public watch another election stolen, then guess what? You've lost your country. And a lot of people think we've lost our country as it is right now. We have not. I spent the I spent about an hour on the phone on Monday night with uh, Colonel Colonel Lawrence Sellen. He's a he's a PhD in uh, microbiology. He's got a Twitter feed. I posted the the link and I'll post the link to his Twitter feed. He is dialed into what China's doing here in the U.S. And I I threw a bunch of different scenarios. And by the way, he's not just dialed in. He's working with Chinese nationals that want to throw the CCP out of power and out of this country. So he's not just a dude doing research. He's decisively engaged in watching what's happening at the border, what's going on with the Chinese. And I mean, and he was a um, forwarded from Michael Yawn. And, um, and I, by the way, I got to thank Colonel Johnson for the intro to both Matt Bracken and um, Michael Yon. You're talking to the guy that got me in in, uh, in contact with both of them. So much appreciated, my friend. That that that's turned out to uh, bear a lot of fruit. Yes, sir. And and this guy, Selen is a, is he's a big brain guy. Um, he's he's one of those guys that does deep research on everything before he says a word. And just in an hour, he said everything that I was thinking, like this Red Dawn moment. I've, I've said mo we've had many conversations about the Red Dawn moment, et cetera, et cetera. And I said to him, 
I do not believe there's there's a red dot moment with the Chinese coming. I just I don't see how they can pull it off logistically. And he's like, you are absolutely right. They cannot. But this is what they're doing. They are infiltrating people across the border every single day. They are filling communities. Right now, they're filling the bigger cities. And what they want to do is they want to take over by just saturating the country with Chinese. And that's 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 the Maoist marketing, right? You, you surround whatever opponent, both geographically, physically, and from a, from an information perspective, and basically you take over that way. And that's exactly what they're doing. But they bring in operatives, they start chambers of commerce, they chart, they start friendly Chinese CCP um, NGOs and nonprofits, and they use all of their time to do exactly what they're doing across the planet. They build infrastructure, they build schools, they build roads, and they influence the pol- the politicians. They attend all of the political meetings. They're doing all of those things all concurrently in the U.S. right now, and they've been doing it for years. The, the other part of this is I said to him, this is not a new phenomenon. This is just the latent part of a 20 or 30 year plan, because I've seen these organizations and, and followed these organizations for almost 30 years. He's like, you're absolutely right. It's been going on for almost 45 years. And the other part of that conversation, he answered a bunch of questions without without even knowing he was answering them for a lot of things I saw the Chinese do in our networks that I could never explain. I could never explain some of the information they took or why. And he explained it, encapsulated it all in basically two sentences. So I highly encourage everybody to go watch his Twitter feed. Um, let me put it in the let me put it in the chat real quick, because everything this guy says is rock solid. And like I said, he's working with Chinese nationals to get rid of these guys. So it would behoove you to follow what he's publishing. He's got a Substack. I don't think his Substack's very developed yet, but uh, yeah, this will bear fruit for you and. It will answer a lot of your questions because I know a lot of you have questions about, um, you know, what the intent of the Chinese are, where they're going to go, what they're doing. So, and that brings me to the border. So, I confirmed yesterday with Michael Yon that he's seeing an uptick more than twelve thousand a day coming across the border. That's a or twelve thousand a month. That's a significant amount of people. But the other thing is, we saw this week, and I know everybody's up in arms about the Supreme Court ruling. You got to let that go. We, we, what we're seeing is the confirmation that every institution in our society has been compromised. That's what you're seeing. Now you have confirmation, which is why, and I'll get to this later, talking about sphere of influence, which we always do. But the actions that Abbott is taking right now are exactly what a governor should do because states' rights always, always outweigh the federal rights. The, the, the founding fathers were smart enough to know that the state should have ultimate authority over their own destiny, which is why you've seen the left and the elite go after these DAs, the governors, and some of the lower tier races. It's, it's basically bang for the buck for them, right? They can throw somebody in those positions and take over the state. That's what they've been doing for 20 years. Now you're seeing this bubble up to the national level. Now, will this get to a civil war? I don't know. It should because Texas should not back down. But remember, 
Abbott's a World Economic Forum guy. He is dyed in the wool, a globalist. He didn't just turn over a new leaf. So we'll see where this goes. But the question at hand is, do and I'll pose this to you first, Bruce, and then to you, Troop. Do you think this is going to lead to some kind of armed conflict or arms, uh, armed showdown with the feds? We'll see. Like uh, The one thing I just noticed as we were uh, starting up, it uh, InfoWars has got out right now that Oklahoma stands with Texas. The governor of Oklahoma says they're uh, ready. It looks like ready to almost send uh, Oklahoma guard guys to Texas. But um, and then I was seeing a discussion that Matt Bracken's got going on on uh, Gab, uh, where they're discussing like the the that Abbott has the uh, ability to to create you know to draw up these state militias that are pretty significant in size if he pushes for that. Um, then he's got that uh, representative Clay Higgins um, is uh, his words were, my thoughts are that the feds are staging a civil war and Texas should stand their ground. And the question I've got is based on what you just said about Abbott, that we've all known that he's a WEF member. I mean, if you go to the WEF website, uh, Abbott's got a page in there. Um, his face is he's in there. So he's obviously so like Jan has always said, it's the whole thing with Abbott is Kefabi, you know, just for show. And but now we're seeing him do things that are a little bit more on our viewpoint, you know, side of things with the guard and everything at the at the Eagle Pass. The the question I've got is, is he I'm thinking he's still a WEF guy and. I can see a potential setup where, you know, with with the setup of the movie of the uh, Leave the World Behind that Obama helped produce, and then they've got this future Civil War movie coming out and all the other kind of uh, uh, PSYOP setups we've kind of been seeing in the discussion. Um, it makes me wonder if they're not trying to to create kind of a trap, um, potentially a trap. It could be legitimate, um, but that if they can create some kind of thing to rally people to the border and then they stage some kind of false flag or something around it that is used to portray patriots in a bad light, just like J6 was, um, I don't know. I see a lot of different possibilities there. I'm not sure which is reality right now, but that's kind of my take right now. I see sure. some similar things. Um, I don't think that they're going to have any kind of armed conflict with Texas, but you're right. After three years, why now? Why suddenly now is Texas defending its rights to protect its own republic? Right. When they, when they didn't do shit for three years. And it's the same thing with Ducey. And a lot of people don't know this, but those connexes that they dropped on the on the border in Arizona, they dropped them right in the middle of what's called the Roosevelt Zone. And that I don't remember the, the history behind it, but Teddy Roosevelt basically made a 60 foot wide corridor or right away all the way down the border with Mexico. And if Ducey would have got the consent of landowners, which he would have easily been able to get to drop those connex boxes 60 foot and one inch uh, north of the border, the federal government couldn't have done anything to take him down. It was all staging. It was all BS and it was all set up for failure. 
So the the whole thing is that there's no way before the election that this federal government's going to want to have an armed conflict with a bunch of Texans, but they've already achieved their objective anyway, which is allowing 25 million of these people that are allowed to to vote in federal elections. And I want to clarify that just quickly in Arizona and a few other states. If you don't show proof of identification and you're not currently registered to vote, uh, you don't have to show a voter ID. You don't have to show a driver's license or a utility bill or anything. You can literally show up and vote in a presidential election in Arizona and a lot of other places. Now, the Secretary of State's responsibility is to validate those votes. <coughs> so the idea is in good faith. Um, oh, you know, I just got out the airplane. I lost my wallet. I want to vote in the in the election. You could you could look me up. You can verify me. I, you know, I'm I'm who I say I am. But when you have thousands of people, and they did this in the general last year or uh, last election, you have thousands of people showing up. They're just flooding the voting centers with these federal only ballots. They're going to go ahead and count them until they until they crack their nut, and then they're going to do what they always do and say, well, you can lawfare the truth out of us. Uh, you know, should you dare? By then the results already been achieved. So they've let enough people across the southern border at this point that the federal government doesn't have any any purpose in engaging beyond lawfare with Texas. Texas could have asserted their rights on day one and they chose not to. So it's all bullshit. Now, after the election, I can see two things happening with this. This is staged, as you said, he's a weffer. Uh, Governor Abbott is. I can see them staging this up to try to work up something similar to the the Bureau of Land Management Bundy thing uh, during the Obama administration, where a bunch of rednecks show up. They got guns, and yes. uh, you know, two hundred meters away, there's a bunch of federales, and they have guns. And this is going to make for great uh, pravda to get the apathetic Democratic voters out to the polls. That's the only thing that I can see this being used for, and. If they win or if they cheat and win or for whatever means they, they manage to somehow defeat Trump, then yeah, I guarantee you the day after that, if they if they win the election, they'll fucking murder whoever's down on the border. They won't give a shit because at that point they, they will assert total control. So I don't think anything will happen before then, but I'm, I don't think they have any interest nor concern about what Texas does at this point because they've already they've already achieved their objective by flooding the country with these, you know, with these invaders. And the invasion isn't going to, it's not going to slow down, right? It's, it's so, um, Bruce just posted something that, uh, Michael Yan posted on Twitter, which I saw earlier today and that, you know, he's, he's in the same mindset I am that, um, Abbott's weft and he's not going to do anything. And he's what, Yan is in the Darien Gap. He's in Panama. He's watching the flows coming across right now. He's not just posting shit, you know, willy nilly. He's watching this happen right now and he's been reporting on it for months and months and months trying to get the word out but it's fallen on deaf ears and i don't i don't believe for one second that they're going to do this across the state remember we're just talking about eagle pass we're just talking about one place we're not right. talking about the whole border and this is this is just a bunch of nonsense to keep people distracted oh it's going to be civil war no it's not civil war starts when people realize, and I'm not just talking to people listening to me right now, when people realize across the country, across the planet, that the real enemy are the 100 families that control all the wealth, all the governments, 
all the logistics, all the power across the planet. That's the enemy. It's not, it's not racial. It's not sexual. It's not your pronouns. It's none of those things. Our enemy are the elite. And this time, this, this revolution will be across the planet, not just here. We're going to have to root out and bring to, bring to justice. And I, when I mean justice, I mean these people have to stand trial for crimes against humanity. And the world needs to be shown exactly what these people have been doing to humanity for the last 800 years. And nobody gets to look away this time. There's not going to be any more of this nonsense where I just can't handle to see anything other than positive information. No, bitch. You're going to watch these people abusing, torturing, and killing children. So you burn it into your soul and realize that we can never let this happen again. We have to root them out of their holes bring them before a tribunal and let the world see what they've done. That's what needs to happen here. And that's why all of this is happening as nothing more than a distraction to keep you distracted away from the fact that this is going to continue. It's going to increase. And we're going to see more and more people show up in our streets. And the the other day, I think it was two days ago, there was a video that was released of a, a terrorist that came across the border. And he's like, you'll know who I am soon enough. Right. This is, this is what they're bringing across the border. And oh, then no. you, yeah. then you find out that Mitch McConnell and an organization that Mitch can, Mitch McConnell controls was behind the, the, the Jeff DeWitt situation with Carrie, Carrie Lake. That should tell you the elite hate you. They don't care who you are. They don't care what creed, color, or race you are. They hate you. You are a useless eater to them. If you think for one nanosecond that they would burn every single person they brought across this border so they could stay in control, you are mistaken. These people are evil in its purest form. And if we don't take a stand this year and bring this to a close this year, it's a thousand years of darkness. Burn that in your soul because the days of publishing memes and little tweets, that's gone because by the end of the year, Twitter will be WeChat. They literally, the Chinese stole the source code for Twitter and made WeChat. If you go look at WeChat, it's fucking Twitter. But now it's got all the other shit in it. So you can buy things, you can can send people things, you can track everything. It's all right there. They just took the the source code and made WeChat. And what is what is Elon Musk, Mr. Freedom Fighter for free speech doing? He's trying to make it into WeChat. You got about 10, 12 months, folks, and then you're going to have to make a decision. And your decision is what side of history am I going to be on? And what am I willing to do to defend my country and my family? Because there's not going to be a choice in front of you. You either choose to go along and be a subject, or you choose to fight. And right now, fighting means we disclose everything they're doing as they're doing it. We disclose every Chinese organization 
that's aligned with the CCP in every neighborhood across the country. And we out and dox every single Chinese nationalist that's behind it. That's what we do right now. And if that doesn't work, full stop. We bring the whole country full stop. Not, I'm going to work today and then do it. No, full stop. Nothing moves, no commerce, nothing. Full stop. We bring the whole corrupt temple down. That's the only way this actually happens. And if that doesn't work, let us in, baby. But that's going to be the last resort. And the, the, where the rubber meets the road is going to be keeping the people that are on the reservation that could go off the reservation, keeping them on the reservation. We don't need, and Bruce talked about this, which I firmly agree with. It's like this, this trucking, trucker convoy down to the border. What's the point of that? What are you going to, this is my problem with most of these, these homegrown, organic, let's just go march to the border. What are you trying to achieve? What is the end state you want to reach by doing that? Because if you're going to go down there, drink coffee and do a bunch of photo ops, you're not helping the cause. But if you're going to go down there and you're going to block buses and exit routes from leaving the, leaving the border, then you're doing something. But you have to ask the question, how long can you do that? And are you willing to face the, the wrath of the federal government? Because until you are, and you until we are in mass, that's a waste of time. And right now, I don't see anybody, you guys can disagree with me, I don't see anybody that's willing to put everything on the line to make this stop. Until you're willing to go to jail, everything you try will fail. That's right. The, so, uh, go ahead, Bruce. One thing I was going to add about the southern border convoy that I noticed, I was just looking kind of at the roots. And um, it's kind of interesting to me that it, it's close enough to the border that it's in that uh, the DHS has established that 100-mile uh, border zone where some of your uh, civil rights are kind of suspended basically um i don't know all the specifics off the top of my head but i think it's interesting that those roots look to me to be awfully close uh to being within that 100 mile zone and what i see about it is it just it's a little bit too slick on the presentation that i've seen so far and it just looks a little bit too much like another kind of j6 setup somehow that could be easily false flag. Like Matt uh, Bracken has talked about numerous times about, you know, it's another Buffalo jump and that they set up situations where they can entrap, you know, Patriots into a situation where they then can mold it like they did with J six to make them look like insurrectionists or whatever. And I, I could totally see with this convoy that, you know, simultaneous to the convoy, somehow they, stage some shootings or something against, you know, uh, invaders to make the convoy and everyone associated with it look like, you know, white extremists um, that they can then manipulate somehow. Um, one other thing I wanted to go back to, if, if you don't mind, is on the Eagle Pass situation is, and you guys kind of alluded to it, I think is that the 
it's like, okay, if Abbott's WEF, you know, and you said, why are they doing this now? To me, it seems like it's like the whole Hegelian dialectic. They're trying to craft a situation where they can somehow establish some new precedent at the border in some manner at there. So anyway, a couple of ideas. But. I think you're spot on. I, th I think um, there's they need three things. They need control and to regain control of the cultural and social narratives, which they've completely lost. Number two, they need to be able to shut down social media that they don't control. And number three, they need to restrict movement and restrict people's ability to fight back. And all of those things could occur with a false flag that they generate, like like leading people down to the border. And that hundred mile that hundred mile zone, the only reason that's in place is because once you move 10 to 15 miles away from the border, you're gone. Right. There's not a lot of places that you can follow a lot of these people. And if hundred miles, that puts you in Phoenix. So they, right. ba they basically created a buffer to distribute people around the rest of the country. And it allows them to get away clean without any interference. And then they can quote unquote arrest you. But again, this goes back to the, the same, the same problem. What we need to do is shut down the border not restrict movement. We need to shut it down completely and build build barriers that they can't take down, they can't cut holes in, and 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 really put the entire you know military on the border and, and do what they're supposed to do, which is protect our sovereignty. And that if 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 Abel was you know serious about it, he would have done it years ago. But again, Abbott's not going to do this. He's he's just is this is all show. The the only and I don't even think that I don't even think that, um, sorry, Siri is sitting there listening to me. Let me turn off my phone. Funny how that works. As soon as I start talking about something, the the intelligence apparatus gets really uh, interested in what I'm talking about. Amazing how that works. But what what I think is very interesting is the fact that all of this theater is playing out now. Why? Has anybody heard anything about Epstein in the last week and a half? Any disclosures around who else went to the island? More and more documents have come out, but you notice how that's drowned out. You're right. It's a buffalo run. And it's that's what we're we're dealing with. And, it, and like the, the lake stuff, right? Yeah. If you're going to be discerning about a lot of these, these headlines and information, you got to have a cynical viewpoint every time you see something like that. If it's too good to be true, it's too goddamn good to be true. And there's there's so much of that right now. And, you know, we spend all of our time trying to dispel things. We spend a lot of our time trying to unwind things. And, you know, you, we, you and I, Bruce, talked about organization earlier this week. And, you know, the, the key thing to this, and Troop, Troop could talk to this a hell of a lot better than I can, but if you look at the PCs and the, the situation with the, the precinct council members and the parties, has anybody asked the question in the last 30 years, why do we only have two parties? Why don't we have independent totally. parties? Why don't we have, you know, um, libertarian parties? Why don't we have parties that are green parties? You notice how we don't have any of the same party system that they have everywhere else in the world? Has anybody asked the question why? And why is it that the, for the most powerful position on the planet, 
our choice in 2020 was the orange dude or the pants shitting pedophile. That's the best we can do. Right. Those are the kind of questions that people don't ask on a regular basis. We go with what was put in front of us as this is real. Like, here's another one for you, folks. What do you think the probability the probability is that there's going to be a draft here in the U.S.? I'll, in fact, Bruce, Bruce or Troop, do you guys think there's going to be a draft here? Absolutely. Yeah, I see it coming. If if they get involved in a in a three front conflict, there's going to be a whole bunch of skinny jeans wearing motherfuckers looking for a Starbucks on a battlefield somewhere. And the reason why I say that is the fact that nobody in the press, because the press is compromised, nobody in D.C. is talking about it. Nobody in the alternative media is talking about it. But today there was an interview in British media where a newscaster said, we just need to get on board for the big win and we need to do a, a, a draft, a compulsory draft to be able to defend our country and defend our interests. And it, the amazing thing about that discussion is we don't have a reason to do a draft. In the last three times we've done a draft, every single time we have, we have filled the ranks we pushed a bunch of people into into uniform. They go overseas. They fight. They come back. And what do we accomplish? This time has to be different. The, the only good thing about the cancel culture and the woke culture is that most of them are going, wait, no, I'm not going to go fight your war. That's the only byproduct of this that is an unintended, unintended consequence. And what you're seeing right now, and I hope this continues to gain momentum, is a backlash across the planet to any kind of mobilization, world war, world conflict. Nobody wants to participate in that. No one. And it's not just here. But if you hear it in the UK and they do it in the UK, assume six months later it will be here. Because that's how the game's played. They roll everything out overseas first typically to the UK and then they bring it here. That's I think exactly have, how it Go ahead. I think they're going to have some kind of event, you know, false flag, EMP, cyber attack, nuke, whatever, somewhere that they'll use to justify, you know, expansion of war with Russia or in the Middle East. And then that will be used as justification for the draft. And then when a, once something severe enough happens, they'll have enough people that will willingly you know, sign up and go fight is the problem. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I I counter that though, uh, Bruce, because we don't we don't have the war bond patriotism that we had in, I mean, even in the Vietnam War, but true. in World War II in Korea, we have a bunch of anti Christians that have been brought up to hate the country. They have recruiting numbers that are in the dump. They floated this idea of not even, I mean, the French Foreign Legion is its own thing. So I don't want to compare what is being suggested in the United States that we get these foreign nationals to join the military and somehow earn their citizenship. That I could have even entertained hearing an argument for the for the quote unquote dreamers or the, the children of illegal immigrants that have lived here their whole life. Uh, I could see an argument for that since they're already, you know, nationalized and Americanized anyway. But these guys are literally criminals that are coming into the country. And you want to you want to send them to basic training, give them military training and weapons. And you think they're going to defend and uphold the Constitution of the United States. No, 
fucking way. And the last recruitment commercial after all of this woke stuff and all this diversity stuff and everything else that we've seen, what was the last U.S. Army recruiting commercial that they aired? It was a bunch of crackers on a fucking shit hook. Did you see that? It was, There was not a, a non-white face on the whole back of that deck. They're That's running it. out of people and they're trying to go to whatever zip code they can in middle of America to, to try to find that one last redneck that needs his, you know, his shot at the big time because they're out of options. There's no way that they're going to have a volunteer army to do anything. And I, I don't think that anybody in office is going to be able to survive the idea of allowing criminals and illegal entrants into the United States to fill our military ranks, especially if for whatever reason, God forbid, uh, you know, Trump doesn't win, which I don't, I don't want to work it around the Trump doesn't win, but the left cheats is the, really the thing that scares me, uh, you know, and then they, they, they once again have an insurrection and, and then now they want to basically turn our army into a bunch of foreign troops. So those foreign troops are not going to die for the United States. Those foreign troops are going to turn themselves on Americans and they're going to bring all of those other foreign war fronts here. As far as the attacks in the United States go, we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, is that there, there's too many different colored marbles on this little Chinese checkerboard. There's all these foreign countries that have, you know, as, as uh, uh, Steve Murray said, released basically their prisons into the United States. So you have a bunch of just in, independent criminals out there. You do have military-aged males that are organized and focused and disciplined and waiting for an order. You have terrorists that are trained and disciplined and waiting for a target and an order. And then you have fundamentalists that are trained and don't have anybody handling them that are just waiting for an opportunity to, to you know, martyr themselves. And then, of course, you have our own government that's looking for opportunities, as you said, to have a false flag. And then you have all the other foreign, you know, nation, state, intelligence services, and everybody else has access to our infrastructure and uh, the the means and and capability to disrupt us technologically. So, and and then there's also economic warfare. So there's a whole bunch of different factors. I don't want people to think that there's going to be one like one thing or one button that one person's going to press that's going to cause trouble in the United States. It's going to be a whole bunch of different things, a multifaceted kind of thing, and they're not going to be coordinated. No, and that was the, that was the thing with Colonel Sellin was that he said that you know the the Chinese here are set up for disruption operations. And that's, I think you said that, God, Troop, you said that almost a year and a half, two years ago. It was, it was one of the very first um, uh, threat analysis that you wrote that I read. And I remember you saying the Chinese will be here to do disruption and interdiction. And I was like, yep, that's spot on. That's how I see it too. I have a little insight in that I'd like to share. So when I was in Washington State in between marriages, I dated this Chinese girl. And I'd never dated a Chinese girl before. But she was her dad was a Chinese general in the Communist Party. And she had this big father daughter falling out thing where he, you know, he said, you're not going to make anything of yourself. And she came here. Um, and her whole thing and at the time, I wasn't really involved in all of this. I didn't I didn't see all of this as what it was. But this is the years of planning is, and I won't mention her name, but this girl said, my goal is to have a half American child. I think that you need to learn Mandarin because the Chinese are coming. And I dated her for a while. And I mean, she was the, the I won't get into the relationship other than she had no ass and I didn't like that. But she would take me out to 
closed restaurants basically in Chinatown in Seattle. And we were, we were guests and I learned a lot about how, how this, how, you know, how this, um, you know, I don't want to say just the Chinese cause I know it's in other cultures as well, but the fishmonger and the guy that sharpens your knives and the guy that cleans your tablecloths and your uniforms and the guy that delivers your produce and the guy you buy your insurance from all of those people are Chinese nationals. Chinese nationals only do business with Chinese nationals. So what you were talking about at the beginning of the show is exactly what's what happens is you know they're going to come in they're going to develop their own culture and they're going to block everybody else and the whole thing the chinese motto that this girl had was you're welcome to participate you're welcome to participate in our success right you round eye can participate in our success but you're never going to be part of us you're never going to be included in what we're doing and this is the same thing that the united states i mean we're an open culture and we get attacked for being racists while Tutsis and Hutus are hacking each other to death or there's war in Sarajevo or the Slavic republics are, you know, at each other's throat. But yet we're, we're the racists. There's one thing that the Chinese and the Russians and the North Koreans don't have, and that's a problem with diversity. You're never going to get a job in their intelligence service. You're never going to get a job at the highest levels of their government. You're never going to open a business. You're never going to do anything in those closed ethno states because you're not who they are and they have leveraged the you know the whole american dream and the melting pot and everything that we are to welcome all these other cultures and all these other countries and you know give everybody the same equal footing to have economic prosperity but the very first thing that organized ethno state cultures do is they come in and they set up shop and they only do business with each other and you're welcome to participate in their success but you're not welcome uh, to ever be successful at any level within within that tiered structure, and so I don't I don't think people really understand that. And then they, they what will happen is the leftists and the collectivists will go, oh, that's racist, and they'll throw the race card and try to shut that down. But it's it's valid. It's a truthful, valid, practiced, exercised, everyday happening right now thing. And I don't really care who the culture is or who the religion is or who it is. This happens, and so this is what the Chinese did in Africa. We were saying for years, I've been saying for years, we should have developed better economic relationships at the lower level, at the manufacturing level, at the multi-tier level, at the distribution level, at, you know, at, at the production level in Central and South America, in Mexico, in Africa, certainly in Africa and in Southeast Asia. And we weren't doing it. We knew the Chinese were. We didn't care because our captains of industry were thinking, well, We'll just have the moral relativism of delegating all of the abuse of prisoner and children labor to the Chinese. We'll buy, you know, cheap raw materials and resale items from them. We'll sell them through Amazon. People will buy them from the ship ferry. They don't care where they get the stuff from as long as it's a dollar less than Walmart. And we've allowed this to happen for long enough that now this is just the way it is. So don't think for one second after four decades of that type of culture, that they're not going to come to the United States and do the exact same thing unless we put in some controls to prevent it. And just look at the amount of land that foreign nationals have bought, and it should it should support that argument pretty well. Well, one thing I was thinking about is you were talking troop, and and we started out with the draft discussion. And uh, the thing that occurred to me is I think we have to think what is the desired end state of the Biden regime and the WEF, and I'm assuming Biden regime is working with the WEF, uh, at least mostly. Um, and the question I keep coming up with is, is their goal our destruction, which 
I tend to think that's what it is. Or is it simply the reduction of our country to like vassalhood under the Chinese and the WEF and everything? Um, because I think it drives the way we look at everything, like for the draft question. It's like, why would they have a draft? Well, only if it's going to support those goals of either our destruction somehow or our reduction to vassalhood or where we basically become a non-entity on the world stage. And I feel like, you know, that's where um, we need to, we need to get some clarity in that. And I don't have the perfect answer. I don't, it's either, it could be that, it could be multiple things. Like you said, there's multiple threat threats that could cause all kinds of problems for our country. And it's, it's literally like we're, our country is being feasted on by a, uh, uh, a school of uh, the piranhas in the, in the uh, Amazon. Um, I don't know. I'm just curious how you guys see that. Alliances are timeless. I mean, we started with NATO right under, under what we thought were good intentions, but the, before BRICS happened, the EU happened and that was as early as what 92, I think it operationalized in 96 or 97. I saw that as a total disaster. You took these countries that over the last 300 years alone have been at war with each other, at least twice each. Right. And now they're going to form a union. They're going to have a common currency. What bullshit. So that that's the, the, and the way that that's going now, and it was interesting, the Brexit, the, the, the British never even entered into the, uh, the, the Euro, they still kept their pound, but they exited, they had their Brexit because it wasn't working out for them. And then they had to bail out Greece and other countries, Spain. So the, the BRICS is going to work the same way as the EU, but everything that you're seeing, in my opinion, is just another one of those bankers run everything, money runs everything, the people with the right influence get together, they don't care. Uh, the, the Godfather was a perfect example of that when they said, I don't care if you sell dope as long as you only sell it to the people in the ghetto, right? And so they don't care where the ghetto is. They don't care who the people are that they, that they sell their products to. The only thing that they care about is that they're on the take and they're willing to negotiate and form alliances with people across the globe in order to benefit everybody at the top of that pyramid. So we had EU, now we got BRICS. Uh, they, I, I don't think that, I, I think vassalhood is a perfect way to describe that or the subjugation of the United States. They certainly don't want to destroy us because we're the, we're the leading consumerism, you know, nation on, on the face of the planet. And I, I don't see that discontinuing into, even under the worst of economic circumstances, but they do want to change the types of things that they're marketing. And they do want to change the way that they control the extraction of our wealth. If they really wanted to save the planet, there would be solar panels on top of every home without regulation. So in Arizona, for example, you got to pay the power company 50 bucks a month if you want solar panels on your own roof, if it's connected to the grid. Asinine, absolutely asinine. So the, you know, the whole fake environmentalist thing, all that stuff's a joke. But when you have people with enough money that they can influence politics throughout the world, meeting each other every year at Davos, they're going to be able to push that policy into policy governments. You know, I mean, that's how that stuff comes up to Congress. They're damn sure not listening to the precinct committee men and the, you know, the people that elected them. And the, the, the bigger, I think the bigger conversation is um, what you're describing is the system of control that's been in place for thousands of years. And 
if if you look at a situation like the homeless, we we've we've had this country established, built, operating, and growing for over 225 years, and we can't solve the fucking homeless problem. We can't solve the the nutrition problem. We can't solve some of the some of the core issues that are a foundation of a capitalist society. They don't want to solve these problems. They they want to. And what you're seeing is the solidification and the formalization of really a mob. They want to formalize that the mob's in, in charge. You're not in the club. And oh, by the way, you're never going to be in charge. We're always going to have our little club. We're always going to do our own thing. And you're not invited. But by the way, we want you to, to work like coal miners. And then we're going to tax you at 80% so you can never rise above where you are. They want to go back to serfdom. And if you watch what the Chinese are doing across the planet, go like go to Zaire or go to um, any African country where they've come in and, and established the Belt and Road, they basically do exactly what Troop was saying. They build Chinese autonomous zones. And guess what? Once they establish a Chinese autonomous zone, you're not allowed to go in there. Only Chinese can go in there. You don't think they're trying to do the same thing here? That's exactly what they're doing in the inner cities right now. And more importantly, they're they're solidifying and they're trying to consolidate power across the U.S. And every distraction that we get distracted with is yet another tool that goes in their into their or another feather that goes in their cap. The other the other part that that you should realize. And, and Bruce, I'll let you talk to this because that's a very good point. You just put this in the chat, and I think that's a very good point. But if we allow this to continue, we become Mexico or we become most of South America where one or two families control the whole country. There's like two families that control all of Mexico. Carlos Slim is one of them. And if you don't know who Carlos Slim is, he's an oligarch that, that owns the, the Washington Post. He owns a good portion of media throughout the world in South America. And he controls everything that happens in Mexico. And then they're a narco state. Do you honestly think that somebody who controls the entire country is not on board or getting kickbacks from the cartels? Forever. Look, this is one thing I learned in Iraq. And it was it was a very, very uh, important lesson that I learned. And it was it was literally I was I was having a conversation with General Carter Ham, who's by far, I'm just going to say it, the guy deserved the silver star for what he did in in Iraq. He was outside the wire every day, and he was one of the he was one of the the best leaders I've ever worked for. I, I'd come in and I'd given a field report of uh, uh, emergency services and uh, the, the Iraqi police and how they were on their ass and what we needed to do. And I said, we have to do something about their leadership. And, and I said, we have to do something about our leadership in Baghdad. And he sat there, didn't say a word for a few minutes and said to me, the thing you're going to learn is there's no efficiency in any kind of leadership chain because you're always somebody's bitch. He goes, I'm Casey's bitch. Casey is Negroponte's bitch. Negroponte is Bush's bitch. And Bush is the elite's bitch. And when you go down the chain, you know how it is when you spread a rumor. 
the the instructions get muddier and muddier as you get down the chain. So imagine a system where everything's muddy to begin with, and you're passing information down a chain that's not really cohesive in the first place. And most of these guys don't like each other, and they're all fighting for resources. How do you think that's going to go? And I'm like, that's a very good point, sir. I really don't have an answer for that. And he goes, yeah, start from that perspective, and then you won't get frustrated. Now get out of my office. Yes, sir. And I can tell you that that was an indelible lesson because you walk around the Pentagon, you deal with general officers, you deal with the Secretary of Defense, and you see how that chain really works in our system. And I can tell you that if Carlos Slim runs most of Mexico, that he is he is getting money from the cartels, he's getting money from the local governments, he's getting money from all of the businesses, he's getting money from pretty much everybody he can extract money from. Do you honestly think that our system is any different than that? It's just masked as different and more elusive taxes, fees, levies, and there's there's a host of different mechanisms they use, including fees, and it's exactly the same thing. Troop, Troop brought it up, right? The $50 you pay, which I pay, a month for the solar panels on my roof, which by the way, if I flip the switch on my on my uh, box out there and go off the grid, I have no power. Even though I got 30 or 40 panels on my roof, useless. If I wanna have storage, I have to go get the batteries, you know, the Tesla batteries that don't charge in the cold or the heat. I have to go get those, spend $30,000 a brick, find room out there, add another box for another 10 grand. And then I have power for like four or five hours. If I want to turn on part of my AC or part of it, run my fridge, but you can't run it full time. You starting to see the scam there, folks? The capability for all of these things exist, but they tax you so much that you can't do anything. You can't, you can't move above your status in life unless you're approved or you're in the club. And so vassal is a good word for that. And Bruce, you were going to say something about uh, about Mexico. Go ahead. Oh, I just was what you were saying was in my mind was that they're turning us into Mexico slowly. I mean, that's what Mexico is like. You know, we're run by cartels. Um, I mean, there's some good aspects of that, I guess, depending on how you look at it. But um. Shoot, you had I was thinking about I was distracted about the solar thing for a second, but um I had a different point, but I gotta think about it. If Troop, if you got something to say. Well, the the whole the whole Mexico thing, Mexico's been running pretty well for a long time. If you're the government or you're a cartel or you're a police officer on the take or you're one of the many members of government, right? And that's look at what's happening in the United States. So Bruce the I have the Trooper channel. It's one of the sister channels to Steve Murray's channel. And we've been looking at the Declaration of Independence, the United States Declaration of Independence, and all the grievances that they sent to the king, coming up with a bunch of useless bureaucrats that were involved in every stage of everybody's life and basically developing a lot of cabinets and having a lot of officials and a lot of state people and a lot of regulations and a lot of controlling of commerce. And it goes on and on and on. And it, it is really effectively a blueprint for what the Biden administration or what these other collective leftist administrations in the world have been doing to their own people. I think they honestly used the, um, the United States Declaration of Independence as a blueprint for 
the types of subjugation that, that they're inflicting upon the people. But if you have everybody that's the government bureaucrat and everybody's dependent upon the government in order to have a livelihood, and like you said, if, if, they, if, if you get in bad graces with the government, they turn you off, they implement a central bank digital currency and facial recognition, and they take away paper dollars and coins, you're going to toe the line or your family's going to starve or get murdered or both. And so there, there's been a few videos where both in Canada and in the EU, somebody was exercising their, their right of free speech or their right of protest or their right of just being. And the gendarme had come and arrested him sometimes forcefully. And they, you know, and they're saying, this is, this is a UK, this is Canada, this is the United States. I have rights, I have freedoms. No, you don't. You don't when there's some government paid jackboot who didn't even have the qualifications to get a job at fucking McDonald's now has a gun and a badge and they're going to read from a script exactly what you're going to do, exactly how you're going to do it. And if you don't, then they have use of force authorization to give you a beat down and there will never be a shortage of those types of people in government. And that's why big, big governments like China and North Korea work so well because that people are all the same. I mean, they may be different, uh, you know, races or religions or nationalities or have different locations, but the humanity pretty much is the same. And that is for what little that you have, I have the power to take it away from you. However, we can go the easy way too. And the easy way is I'm going to assign you as a bureaucrat in this echelon of, of whatever government uh, structure and hierarchy and uh, and the and the better you do, the more you'll be rewarded and promoted. And the worse you do, the more you're going to starve. So, this the using the United States as a, a you know where are we now and where is Mexico now and how quickly can we become Mexico? We just have to not vote and continue on the path we're on and not protest and not not do anything about it. And you're right, we'll be we'll be Mexico within five years on our way to being China. I say sooner than that, but I, I one thing I'm going to put in the middle of that though is that um, that's if we make it to the election. I I think Bruce is right. I think we're headed towards a, a major false flag. But here's the thing: I don't think they're going to sell it this time, and I don't think they're going to sell it because you're seeing you're seeing people around the world starting to clue in now, and you're seeing people that even. Um, you know, a year ago, we're not read into what was going on or not looking at conspiracy or not looking at the alternative community. They're all asking questions now. And the the here's the thing about when, and I saw this graphically on the ground in, in both Iraq and Afghanistan, when the momentum picks up and people start to buy into what's real and start to see the truth, you can't obfuscate, you can't, you can't redirect, you can't gaslight. And no matter what you do, when you lose the narrative, you're not getting it back. And we're only going to see that ramp increase over the next six to eight months. Because, look, look, they're definitely afraid of the real Epstein crimes coming to light, which is why all this Texas stuff is boiling over. And by the way, I was just chatting with Pete Chambers while you were talking, Troop, and he's saying that um, – he said it's uh, for now he needs support for the Texas National Guard holding Shelby Park. He said the focus is moving from uh, Del Rio to Eagle or from, yeah, the focus now is Del Rio to Eagle Pass. Uh, I think it's Comedo uh, is a hot spot in between both. 
So um, if you want to help out folks, you can help out um, the, the guard. And, and I can tell you from, uh, from experience, soldiers in the field appreciate home cooked meals. Um, if you reach and, and I'll ask him who to reach out to on that side of the fence to figure out who the point of POC is on the ground for the guard. So you can get stuff to them. But, um, Batteries and beef jerky, but make sure they're going to the frontline commanders and not those shitbag remfs in the rear because they'll eat up all that stuff. And and then the only thing that the frontline guys will get is any soldier mail. <laughs> so, Colonel Conrad, thanks for joining. I uh, I I know you had a tough day, so I won't I won't bust your chops too much. But uh, <laughs> glad you could be on time. Really, I really appreciate you joining. An hour and fifteen in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tardy, Dave. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you are. Delinquent Dave. Dave tonight is what you are. Delinquent so, Dave. Delayed Dave. So Yeah, go ahead. We're, we're talking about the, the situation. I was talking to, to um, Pete Chambers because he was just on um, Alex Jones. And uh, he was saying that they the, the garden, garden need help with uh, uh, probably supplies. But anyway, that's ongoing. But we were talking about how... Um, the U.S. has turned into basically a vassal state like like Mexico. Well, certainly, certainly the case. I mean, could we be sold out further down the river by our leadership than we already have been? And, uh, you know, that's that's one of the things I was talking to somebody earlier today, uh, a buddy of mine, and uh, I said, you know, even even if Trump gets in, Probably one of the worst things that could happen would be that uh, he gets in, they hem him in with people on the periphery. They 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 pretty much use lawfare to keep his his ears pinned back, and then he rides out his four years, gets little done, and then we're still strapped with the same basic problems, having solved very little of what we need to achieve, and uh, so it's. While I'm never one to want violence or cataclysmic events, I, I continue to ask myself, how are we ever going to re-establish our nation to what the founders envisioned or anything even close without, without some type of really seismic scale events and a great deal of sacrifice? And... Uh, Unfortunately, I'm just I'm not seeing an easy path that that uh, towards where we where we all want to go. I, Steve, let me digress for one second. I I had to stop off and get some stuff for my wife at a healthy grocery store, and I I come up to the counter and here's your pen typical new age woman. She's overweight. She's got the nose rings, the tats. She's got the orange hair with green highlights. Um, the whole nine yards. And I said, I said, you know, I'm just curious. I said, I don't care how you answer, but I said, uh, Trump or Biden, liberal, conservative. And, you know, I know, of course, what I'm thinking when I look at her and she says, well, and she actually surprised me. She very pensively said, you know, I voted for Biden, but I really made a big mistake and I'm rethinking a lot of things right now. That was not the answer I was expecting from from this this walking uh, uh, stereotype. 
walking billboard of the woke culture. Woke yeah. Culture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, and I'm encountering this strangely more and more. Now there's always going to be people who, who can't quite turn it around. And uh, because for a lot, a lot of the left, it's for decades and decades, it's been their meal ticket building the culture that gets them the gravy train. And so it's, it's an imperative that they succeed in establishing the cultural uh, cornerstones to include, you know, stealing elections by any means possible. Uh, and that's gone on for decades and generations. Let's not pretend this is something new that started with Trump. Um, but they look at it differently than the rest of us. And you're, you're going to have those in the extreme end of the spectrum. But I, I am seeing signs, and not just one discussion like I mentioned here, but um, I am seeing signs of more people waking up and thinking, you know, there's there's really got to be some something different out there. And, uh, of course, I've heard, you know, the, the latest prognostication is that we're going to go, we're going to sit down and watch a Democratic convention. And you're going to have Joe Biden get up there and uh, rather than accept the nomination, bow out gracefully to the tune of, you know, my health isn't going to tolerate this anymore. And in, in from enter stage left comes Michelle Obama proclaiming that we all know how much, how much she hates politics, but for the good of the country, she'll, she'll step forward and bring the, bring the nation together. And uh, so I'm not sure if it's going to be her or if it's going to be, you know, Gavin Grusom. But um, I don't know. I, I was curious. Does anybody on this panel see anybody else? I really their... wouldn't be surprised if the Democrats uh, flip Nikki Haley in there. I, I always thought it was going to be Gavin Newsom, but I can see him. I can see them doing something with Nikki there. Well, I think that would be a bit of a stretch. Um that's just my own opinion, but I'm I, I, the the only reason that I would think uh, Michelle Obama does not step forth would be because the Trump momentum would just be too great, and she just really wouldn't want to step in the ring with that guy. I don't think that's I don't think that's the case. I I, I get here's what the, there's two things two things at work here. I think that Nikki Haley is staying in the race because she's she's on she's on board with the, the whole Trump's going to get indicted. And I'm going to, you know, be able to slip through and sell the narrative that Trump's indictment disenfranchised a lot of voters and they're just not they're just not supporting him in the primaries. And then number two is I don't think that uh, I think Michelle Obama is going to run. I think there's going to be a big um, controversy about the fact she's not eligible to run, um, but they'll find a way to slip her in during the convention because that's how they work. E either way it goes. It doesn't matter who it is. I, I think this is going to be resolved in a lot of ways this year because as as they get as they get deeper and deeper into the primary season and they realize that a bulk of the nation is still supporting Trump despite all their rhetoric, all of their exercises to to make him look bad, all of their attempts to convert convert um, Democrats to Republicans to vote in the primaries, none of that's going to work because an overwhelming amount of people have realized that we're in a recession. We're not getting out of a recession. 
Our country's being invaded. Everyone that's in power in Washington, D.C. is a communist. And they're all starting to see it. I mean, you talked about a, a just one conversation. I've had many of those conversations. And the interesting, the interesting um, aspect to every one of those conversations, all these people were, they were in the dark listening to mainstream media and they realized they were being lied to. And, you know, just look at, just look at the, the fact that Haley was blown out in Iowa to the point where it was embarrassing. And even Ron DeSantis realized after the, after the first go around, okay, I've lost all my support. You know, my campaign's a, a dismal failure. The reason why Haley is still in this is because she knows that she's got the wall street bankers behind her and she's not going to give. And I want to, I want to say, and this is not, this is not the racist talking here. This is, this is fact. Look at who's in power across most of Europe. Look at who's running a lot of companies across the country. CEO of IBM, Indian. CEO of Microsoft, Indian. CEO of Google, Indian. The, uh, the premier or whatever they want to call them, the uh, prime minister of Scotland, Indian. Prime minister of the UK, Indian. Prime minister of Ireland, Indian. Are you starting to see a pattern here? They're putting people in place all the same way. So they're not about to let her leave the race until there is no other recourse whatsoever that they cannot sell her. And they, you're seeing what we're watching is the collapse of an empire right now. They're losing that. I mean, the parallels, like Troop, you said, the grievances, the parallels with Roman society, when Roman society collapsed, we're seeing all of those things right now. We're seeing an establishment completely di divorced from society and reality. And we're seeing a group of candidates push through that nobody buys into. No one believes her. No one. People believe Trump because Trump actually has a record to stand on. I mean, she went to be the governor of South Carolina and slept with all of her, all of her um, consultants. I mean, that's essentially what happened. And I love it. It's like, well, she slept with two guys. Oh, sure. Yeah, it was just two guys. Whatever, dude. Okay. So they can't sell her. Even if they try to sell her, if they throw billions of dollars into it, the mainstream media has lost so much credibility with the American people. They don't, they wouldn't buy it anyway. Yeah, but Steve, here's the hedge. Uh, DeSantis, to me, is, this is all being managed carefully. Uh, Nikki Haley on the one on the one side, but Ron DeSantis on the other side. So why did he get out? Well, first he saves money for the next time because a lot of people agree he should have waited till, you know, the, the next election, not this one. But more importantly, what did we find? We found that uh, Karl Rove had stepped in and was running his finances, which means in essence, DeSantis is is directly under the thumb of the Bush family, right? And from what I understand, DeSantis's wife is a descendant of some pretty wealthy people and uh, connections on the left. I think DeSantis is going to make nicey-nicey talk with Trump and try and get on board as, as one of the strongest possible ticket members. And, and so if he steps on board as a vice president, on the one hand, you've got Nikki, if Trump fails or is incarcerated, or is taken off ballots, or you, know, you name it, 
And on the other hand, if if Trump succeeds and gets through all the gates, if DeSantis is in the VP spot, now you've got somebody that if, let's just say, Trump has an accident or something happens to Trump or Trump is impeached, now we've got Ron DeSantis can step in, who once again is under the control of the Bush family. They, they play both sides of that street. I don't, I, so the guy I'm worried about is Vivek. That guy is a snake. He's a reptile. I don't trust that guy at all. And he is, he's the guy making the most waves right now. DeSantis doesn't have a shot to be the vice president and neither does Haley. Even if they're, even on their best day, I don't think, I think Trump's smart enough to realize that neither one of those are viable candidates. I, 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 I sincerely hope that Trump realizes he needs a woman as a vice president that has a track record that is that is sellable. Because you can't put MTG on the stage. You can't put Lauren Bobbitt on the stage. You can't put anybody else on the stage that people will buy into. And that's what he needs. And I think he realizes that. So, Governor of South Dakota, is that what you're thinking? Christy Noam, I don't know if she's interested in doing it. She would be the best choice. But I don't think she's willing to leave the governorship to be the vice president. I mean, would you blame her? She's got a stellar she's got a stellar track record. But again, we're we're talking about people on the bridge of the Titanic that aren't going to be around when this when this goes off. Because I think Bruce is right. I think we're we're on we're on the glide slope and within the event horizon of a major false flag. That's that's my thought. You guys got thoughts on that? Well, the thing I've been thinking about as we've talked is uh you know, back to the question of, of is their goal our total destruction or just reducing us to vassalhood or potentially the total destruction of traditional Americans and the installation of their vassalhood system? Um, I think that um, what you were saying there about Vivek and all those guys and everything um is is certainly interesting but if they're not out for the total destruction of every of the entire system then that makes me think that the, that's going to change the character of of a false flag if they're out for the total destruction you know why not just go for an emp and take us all down to 90 percent population loss in, in a year like uh the uh one second after book describes so oh, no. that we're cattle and they want the land right so you yeah and so you're not going to so what do you start you start taking down monuments you start seating universities with marxists right you get people in government that can take down monuments you get people in government that can change how schools are teaching our children and over time right. you completely de-god de-american apple pie and then you can start controlling the nation like it's just a field of grass and cattle, but there's there's too many there's too many generations of Americans and American filmography and um, American everything that you know they, they're not they're not going to be able to come through with it with their godless communist agenda in two or even three generations. But but man, they're making a lot of headway. I don't disagree with that. I think you know that this is where the communists always stumble. And that is, they're really good at infiltration, but they've they've misjudged the world population because 
if there's one unanimous thought process across the planet, that is no one wants to live under communist or Chinese rule. I, I don't care who it is. They don't want to, nobody wants to live under communist rule. But by the same token, we're, we have a long-term problem now. And the long-term problem is not going to go away in 10 years. It's going to take 20 or 30 years. In the meantime, we have to manage that problem. We have millions of Chinese here now that are establishing basically Chinese autonomous zones across this country right now. And the problem with Americans has always been that nobody will make the hard decision to do the really, really rough thing in order to protect the sovereignty of the country because we're, we're an open society. We've been trained over the last 70 years that we are, you know, we don't use violence to, to solve our problems. And at some point, we are absolutely going to have to use violence to displace every single Chinese Communist Party member. We're going to have to nationalize land. We're going to have to nationalize assets. And the problem is there's not one person, not even Trump, has the balls to do it. And until somebody does, we're going to continue to circle around this, this issue of not just that they're here, but what do we do with them? Because I can tell you that you don't want the American public going after these communities because then you, you do start a civil war. And that's the intent that the Chinese want. They want to create civil strife here to where they can say, you, you know, you're completely anti-Chinese. You're fucking a right I am. I am I am completely against the Chinese Communist Party, not the Chinese people, but the Chinese party. But they'll use the race card just like everybody else does here to create that strife. But at some point to deal with the problem and Trump's talking about it now, which I don't think his I don't I don't think he has the balls to follow through. He's talking about mass deportations. What what we need is we need an FBI that's functioning or some kind of a police force that's functioning inside of each state, controlled by the state, controlled by the people to go after every Chinese communist organization. And the real the real answer is you need to declare every communist Chinese or communist, whether it's Chinese or not, every communist organization, party affiliation as a, as a subversive or a terrorist organization, and then you'll start to see action. But nobody has the stones to do it. Look at the look at the 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 what was it in the it was the McCarthy hearings in the fifties when they were going after the communists in Hollywood? I can't remember the name yeah. of it. And look at how ineffective that was. I mean, they spent what ten years going after communists and black blacklisting people. This really has to happen. There is no other way around this. There has to be, beyond a shadow of a doubt, somebody with the balls to say they're a terrorist organization, they're an enemy of this country, along with the World Economic Forum, the World Health Organization, as well as all the other WEF entitled, you know, uh, European bankers. They're all terrorist organizations, just like the NGOs that have been created. And then the next thing you have to say is the, the intelligence organizations, you have to completely dismantle 
every intelligence organization in this country. And nobody's got the balls to do it. That's the problem. We could have solved this problem 10 or 15 years ago had we had a functioning government, but we didn't do it. I think the consolidation of everything under DHS is what really, really set us on this path after after 9-11. I mean, before that, you know, the whole rationale was exactly why everything worked. The FBI didn't trust the NSA. The NSA didn't trust the CIA. The CIA didn't trust anybody. They were all their own silos. And when they when you bring when you consolidate that much intelligence apparatus under under one pyramid of hierarchy, that's extremely dangerous. And so you can have to dismantle that first and then fire everybody and then figure out how to rebuild the uh, the silos of leadership. But you're right. And we can and never other- we can never again allow the federal government to have this much power, this much compartmentalization. Never again. Never. Because I've worked in that system just like you have. And I can tell you that being in that system, that there are way too many things that they've put in place because of the Patriot Act, because of the subsequent extension of the Patriot Act, and all the other legislation they passed to build the police state. The entire corrupt temple has to be completely dismantled. And we have to get back to a place where you could walk up to the gate after purchasing your ticket or or printing your ticket without any interruption and go get on your flight and go, go fly to wherever you're going and live your fucking life. No more, no no more BS about TSA or TSA security or scanning. All that has to go away. And then every single politician, every single oligarch that took money or paid money to influence anything in our society, whether that's you start an NGO that influences Congress or you own a senator directly, doesn't matter what it is. You go to prison for treason. There's none of this BS around, well, the the definition of treason. No, you influence our country, allow our enemies to operate. You go to fucking prison for treason. Full stop. Nobody has the balls to do that. No, not yet. Not yet. But one thing, Steve, I think that you're getting at that you guys have touched on that I think is worth remembering is like if we look back at how the East German uh, wall fell, how, how East Germany collapsed, that what finally happened when the wall collapsed was the border guards walked off their posts. Because basically the entire country realized the whole system was completely corrupt and bankrupt, you know, and, and, and it just collapsed. And it, the reason I think that's a useful analogy to think about is based on everything we've been discussing, we see that the elites are losing legitimacy. They're, they're slowly, they're grasping for it. You know, they've got this looming election and like you all have said it's like the only one who has any sense of legitimacy is trump and anyone else they bring out without some kind of national emergency crisis is not gonna hold a candle to him in legitimacy right now and uh i think that the other thing that's looming that we haven't talked about and i wanted to bring this in was uh a buddy of mine uh 
a triple seven captain uh, called me a couple days ago and he told me that four out of his eight flight attendants that had all gotten the backs, three of them had major cancers that were coming on super fast. One of them had uh, heart troubles and they were all convinced they were from the backs. And he was telling me how one woman was like, she's like, I've got a six year old and a 10 year old at home and I don't know how to do this. I've got this turbo cancer coming on. And I think when we look at the border situation, the geopolitical situation, we have to also consider the health situation and that the potential is there's going to be a looming massive health crisis over time for all those who got the vax. It's already on us. It's already yes, on us. it is. It's and, already started. And so I see what you've hinted at before possibly being the most likely situation is just the system collapses. Well, it needs to, right? But I, I you know, Dave and I have talked about this uh, at length about the vaccines and how that's going to play out. Ed Dowd's done all the numbers. He, he's got the actuarial data. He's got the insurance data. He's, right. he's done the deep math on what that looks like. And those projections that, that leaked out in, in 20, uh, 2019, 2020, about population reduction to to almost um, you know 70 million by 2025, that we're going to be facing that at the same time we're fighting the enemy mountain to defense, and then we're going to be facing the question of how do we reinvigorate birth rates because people have been infected by the spike protein, the lipid nanoparticle, and all the other things that they've sprayed into the into the environment. There's a there's a there's a ton of different variables all going on at the same time and regardless of of what your view of the vax is it's not going to matter because at some point it's going to be stark in front of your eyes where you can't do anything about it but here's the stark cold reality at some point just like they tried to sequester the unvaxed and the vaxed we're going to have to be at a point or we probably will be forced to be at a point where we're going to have to look at the vaxxed and go, we can save you. We can't save you. We can make you comfortable. You're gone. And that is literally battlefield triage that will be right in front of our faces. And that's, that's not the people that are dying suddenly from blood clots or brain aneurysms or some kind of a a, a significant event or brain event. It's going to be from people that, have rapid cancer or have some kind of another ailment that's long-term and persistent. And we won't be able to treat any of that. And then the other side of that fence is we're going to have to, when this is all said and done, we're not just going to have to to hold the, 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 the elected officials and the non-elected officials. We're going to have to go after pharmaceuticals and completely dismantle the pharmaceutical industry. And we're going to have to dismantle the chemical industry and revamp the way we interact with all of these different industries and recreate them from the ground up. I mean, this, what we're facing and what we're looking at is incredibly complex. And we, then we have to dismantle and we have to go after the deep dark. Whoever is behind all of this, we have to get to the one belly button that was the architect and the person that sold it to the rest of the elite. And then we have to go after the rest of the elite and it'll take years to put them all through the process, but they all have to go through the process because the world has to see these crimes. 
and the, the vax is just one of those but by the year by within two years we're going to have such an issue with healthcare, with with aviation and with a significant portion of the state buds the state um apparatus because all those people are vaxxed plus the government apparatus there's not going to be anybody to do the jobs the system's going to collapse on its own i'm going to be curious to see uh, and Troop, I don't know if you've looked at this. I've not yet had a chance. I'm really behind the power curve on this, but this this so-called, uh, you know, COVID X or whatever, whatever the new disease <laughs> is. Yeah, that, I, think, uh, I think it's disease X because they, it's an experimental disease. They haven't figured out which one they're going to release yet. Yeah, exactly. Well, when you take a look at the history of the development of these vaccines, <clears throat> excuse me, the discovery of these vaccines um you know you had the the one and it was a four-year period and, and then every two every two years two years two years two years like like a bus schedule you have you know from zika on down all these new vaccines that roll out and uh and then of course you have people getting patents on aspects of these disease which is supposed to be impossible because they're supposed to be natural phenomenon and you're not supposed to be able to get patents on natural phenomenon so or gmos like yeah you know but you get my point and so i look at this i look at i look at the disease x i look at the residual effects of of uh the vax um and i'm not just worried about people who've been vaxxed i'm worried about the shedding thing you know, I had somebody bring up an interesting point. They they said uh, they had heard they hadn't, and I got to get more details on this. But that that common items for physicians and dentists, things like uh, vials of lidocaine, might be laced with aspects of uh, of the vax, and you know, people could be getting injected with this stuff and not even knowing it. I, I that could be fear mongering. I don't know. Could I say but, something on this? I'll go right ahead. Um, well, I I was pretty involved in our uh, fight against the vax in my airline, and I'm familiar with a lot of the major actors in that fight. And uh, one of the uh, numerous things I've heard is that there uh, a pharmacist that came and spoke to us at our church group who had quit her job as a pharmacist uh, in our state. Because she saw 25 people in her community die within two weeks of the onset of the vax. And she laid out all kinds of uh, stories that I could I could expand on, but there's not enough time. But she basically said that she did not trust any vaccines anymore. She believes that they are putting the spike protein stuff into multiple different types of vaccines, um, not just the COVID vax. And that she basically did not, and she said her words out of her mouth were, until there is justice carried out against big pharma, she would never take a vaccine again of any type. Um, right, right. A lot of people feel that way. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm 100%. And then the other thing I have heard uh, through my connections on that COVID side that that the uh, we've heard this discussion in, about the the Ebola studies in Colorado 
and the hospitals in Colorado that are giving Ebola injection injections. But a lot of people are saying that disease X is going to be probably something they roll out to use as cover for why all the people are dying from the vax. And they'll try to blame that for the cause so that people don't focus on the vax um, is what I've heard. Well, that's an interesting possibility. Um, and, and there's all kinds of possibilities that they could uh, roll out, of course. But what, what I'm most especially concerned about is you have this the situation with the vax you have the situation with disease x you have a situation where by the time we get the next summer mid to late summer the united states economy given the interest payments and and uh you know the debt that's accruing at an exponentially greater rate now um in an economy that's virtually going to be exploding um you know you've got what it will almost likely be uh, an interrelated banking crisis um, so you'll have all of those things going on and and then you'll have issues culturally with you know the immigrants um, and then of course whenever they decide to to batten down the hatches and uh, kill the supply lines going into inner cities with food um, you'll have this confluence of terrible things going on. The internet will go down. We've talked about this. And, uh, you know, by that point, it's, I'm not sure, you know, on, I'm not sure if it's going to matter, but I think you're going to see even more people do a complete about face in the midst of something like that and rethink how they, how they vote or where they lean politically. If they finally wake up to, you know, what's going on around them. Of course, a lot of people, won't connect the dots they'll just be so head spun and disoriented from from all of the uh crisis level events that uh well they just they just won't be able to react and make sense and in, in, uh, in a coherent fashion but i think we're in my opinion we are right on tr the very things we've been talking about for the last six months we are right on track rolling right into it it's almost the end of January already, and uh, you know I I see us uh, on that uh, glide path pretty much as expected. Dave, let me ask you a question from a medical perspective. It's what is it dosage and frequency? Like so many milliliters uh, and so many dosages. Like when you when you dose drugs, and it's the same thing with with poisons or exposure to toxins there's a certain permissible limit and then you go beyond that and you go into the, the lethal dosage of it. So how do, how, that's why I don't really, I, I buy into the, the belief that they're trying to figure out how to lace common everyday things with the stuff that they, they want resistant people to consume, but I don't see how they're going to be able to control the, the dosage and the frequency of it. And the only thing that I could equate it to is like sugar. Um, sugar's bad for you. And you, but you could eat sugar every day for years and eat a lot more of it than normal people. And, you know, dentists will make money and doctors will make money. Uh, the people that don't participate in that, you will have less dental problems. But, but these are, these are, uh, 
I don't know if they're gene altering or or what their what their persistence is in the in the human body, uh, how you know the the purging of these things. But if you were to lace the food supply or the water supply with some type of uh, DNA or or whatever, I'm not a, I'm not a biologist, but whatever this crap is. How would you're talking you about you talking about messenger RNA technology? Yeah, yeah. How would you be able to control that, or or would it matter? I mean, if if I dosed you once, or I dosed you five hundred times, and if, you know, if I dosed you with a with a milliliter or or a deciliter over a year, I I don't understand how they would how they would be able to get that to work. Maybe maybe if they had measured uh, you know interactions with your healthcare provider through your annual flu shot or something something like that, but not not through like food water. I, I just don't understand that. Well, in my opinion, things like this have been going on for generations and generations. I mean, you know, take take a look, for example, at, uh, you know, obviously we need to breathe oxygen, but at the same time, oxygen is one of the most reactive species of of material on the planet. So is fluoride for that matter, right? And yet we've been told ad infinitum that we need fluoride to harden our teeth. And this is why you see city city kids who drink fluoridated water with better dental health. And then you'll you'll have physicians in rural areas and things and dentists in rural areas pointing out that uh, you know the spring water, well water, whatever, uh, more dental decay. Um, and I mean, that's, that's just one thing. And then nowadays we're being told, okay, wait a minute, we need to rethink the fluoride situation because it, it lowers your IQ by several points and it causes, you know, X, Y, and Z within your system. Um, and so people are going back and looking at, at any number of common, uh, compounds that we, we encounter in our daily lives. And some of them we've encountered for the entirety of our lives. And, and yet they're not good for us. They're slowly poisoning us. So you look at things, look, you look at, uh, you know, whether it's diet and, and, and general nutrition, what do we see? We see the medical industry. There, there, there's virtually no education in formal nutrition in any med- medical school in the country. And if there is, it's one or two lectures and that's it. Well, I've okay. got something that ties into exactly what you just said. I think that we have to look at the, is that the, the food, you know, that we've been eating as a country, you know, look at, I mean, I, I've noticed this as a pilot just flying around the world that, and I've had it, this conversation with multiple pilots, like we'll be in London and walking around and it, it literally looks like every man in England for the last 25 years was taking estrogen pills and we will walk around and we're all like, you know, we're all in our fifties and we're like, you know, no one looks, men don't look like men used to look when we were in our, you know, college age uh, timeframe. And I think that the, the basic lacing of food with estrogenic type of things and the reduction uh, of testosterone Yes, in, in the typical American, t- totally, and it has teed up Western civilization for this invasion by migrants, in, you know, invaders that are all coming from places that haven't had this kind of diet going on. Um, it's 
you know, you've basically had the soy boyization of Western civilization and, and you have to go to extreme links uh, to avoid it. Um, and I see it in my own kids. I see it, you know, in the mainly I see it with other guys talking with other guys, you know, our age. And they're like, yeah, there's been a huge change in the last 20 or 30 years in the physiology of men. Yeah, well, I totally agree. But but even more overtly, you know, you look back at Vietnam and you look at you look at defoliants and things like that. Right. And you hear about Agent Orange. And you, oh, my gosh, we've got to get rid of this kind of this kind of stuff. And yet what do we do? We live with glyphosates everywhere. Right. They've, they've, they've taken samples from, you know, bodily tissues, from bodily fluids. It's everywhere and it's killing us. And yet right. we, we do. And it used to be outlawed in Europe, but now I understand it's no longer outlawed in Europe. And so Monsanto or whoever produces it is sitting back laughing, making trillions. And we are literally killing ourselves. At, at what point? Why, why hasn't anybody st stood up and said, we got to get this crap out of our system, out of our water supply, out of here, period? Yeah, we yeah. do. And what I can tell you, I can tell you uh, uh, briefly, because we're coming up on two hours. I went through this when uh, I was leaving the military. I literally, when I took command, I had stress fractures in my shins because my testosterone was so low. And I went to see a doctor and of course, you know, I went through all the rounds of bullshit that go along with that. And then they put me on the juice and then I did that for three years. And, and I can tell you that the artificial means of controlling testosterone, there's a lot of bodybuilders and sports figures that take, a, take testosterone. The, the downside effects of that has taken me years. I, I, I've, after three years, I finally stopped, stopped using any kind of synthetic testosterone because it just, my, it puts you in peaks and valleys. It makes you aggressive. It does a lot of different things to you. And just by cutting out, like I don't use fluoride, fluoride toothpaste. I don't use any kind of, uh, you know, food or any kind of, a, um, you know, substitute that has glyphosate in it, any kind of artificial flavors, any artificial sugars. I don't eat any of that shit anymore. I eat raw food or I eat foods like, you know, uh, meat and and organic vegetables, and I and I limit any pro. I don't take any. I don't eat any processed foods. I don't do any fast food. I don't do any of that shit anymore. And I've been taking magnesium, and um, I've been using um, cow liver, and the cow liver pills. And I can tell you that my I not only where I was you know prior to all of this, and what did it to me was the statins for high cholesterol, which is a lie. It killed all of my testosterone, killed my sex drive, killed everything. And when I finally went off of them, it took me two years to get back to a place where I was functioning. And now I, I feel fantastic. But you have to take about 2,400 milligrams of magnesium and you have to ramp up over time because that does, you know, that plays hell on your intestines if you're not used to it. And so you start out with 400, then you go to 600, then you go to 800, then you go to 1,000, then you go to 1,000 in the morning, 1,000 at night, and you're finally getting the right dose of magnesium. But I can tell you that I feel better today than I ever have before, and that's because I cut all of the chemicals completely out of my diet. And it, it, other than alcohol, 
that's the only thing that I consume that's, that's, um, you know, toxic for my body. But how many people can afford to do that? I mean, if you look at where we were, the start of World War II, we had the healthiest population on the planet, the best fed. And 90% of our problems is because the, the, all the nutrients and minerals have been basically farmed out of our food. That's why our food is dead because we don't have the same soil, um, the same soil um, depth as well as the same richness of soil. They're just like Matt said, they're just far and they're basically they're factories. They throw a bunch of nitrogen into the soil. They don't replenish the, the minerals. They, they groom out all the rocks. And, and when you get to the end of it, your nutrition is so shitty that you can't even maintain um, a healthy metabolism so you can regulate your body weight. And I, I you know, there's a lot of difference so that, that you turned me, I think it was you that turned me onto the root cause protocol. That's what I've been Yes, using. yes, I it's did. Morley, and Morley Robbins, Morley Robbins. That, that has changed my life. And, you know, RCP says, you know, don't take vitamins, don't take calcium, don't take zinc, don't take any over-the-counter shit. Take, take magnesium, take barium, and take uh, uh, boron, sorry, not barium, boron, and um, cow liver, and you will you will see a massive difference just from those three. And I have just from those three. What you're, what you're doing is you're cleaning up your mitochondrial function. And, and that's, that's right at the heart of health is that energy production. When you take a look at a lot of these chronic diseases, uh, particularly in women, but of course men too, um, you know, mitochondrial function, energy, energy efficiency is right at the heart of it. And that's what Morley Robbins is talking about. Yeah. And the soluble copper pieces, that's spot on, man. I'll tell you, I, you'll, you will sleep better at night when you have enough magnesium in your system and you won't be sore. Can I, uh, go ahead. Word, I've been doing this carnivore diet for the last uh, about a month now, roughly. And so far I've lost 14 pounds without any dieting. Um, I feel totally leaner. I'm not feeling hungry. I'm still eating other things, but probably I'd say about 80 to 90% of my calories are coming from just meat and eggs and cheese and fish. And uh, the one thing uh, a buddy of mine at our church has been doing it for about six months. And the guy went from having a beer gut to being totally ripped. And what from what I'm seeing for myself, it totally matches the kind of things that you're describing. And, and if anything, you know, that we can be, we talk about preparedness with, you know, getting Americans ready for what's coming, what we think is coming. I think that getting people focusing on eating right, you know, eating good and cutting out as much uh, whatever negative foods as possible is, is going to help get them in warfighting shape, which I think we all need to be. Oh, I concur with that. I'm, I think, probably fatter than the rest of you. I still wake up with a boner every morning, so that's good. But <laughs> happy that uh, once again, too much information. Yeah, once again with a visual I never needed in my head. <laughs> Thank you. But I, I do, I do take vitamin supplements, and I don't. I, I've looked into the the more comprehensive nutritionalist stuff that you guys are talking about, and I know, I know some people that inject the uh I, I i call them the the magachondria but the these different um peptides is what they are 
but just for the the general public, I mean, most people they have they have the financial ability to have access to normal off the shelf nutrition, and they can do their own research on what's good and what's bad. But going into this, in addition to being phys- as physically fit as you can be, right? Remember, we're all getting older. Some people have cancer. Some people are just old. Uh, but if you're if the only thing that you're eating is dead food out of boxes, dehydrated stuff, dry rice, dry beans, potatoes, things like that. You're, you're going to have to find those trace nutrients from somewhere. So last week's show uh, was talking about the, the really easy and, and basic ability to do microgreens and sprouts on, you know, on your kitchen countertop, get into that relatively low entry, uh, relatively low technology or skill set. But you're still going to need to augment all of that bad nutrition with with good, you know, good vitamins and minerals. And if that has to come from a dry multivitamin, then that's, that's better than nothing. So I wouldn't want to turn people away from, from supplements, but I also think they should, they should do more additional research and get a more comprehensive understanding of what, what all three of you are talking about. And I just wanted to share something because the last time I was in a bus full of this many Lieutenant colonels, I was a 17 or 18 year old private and I was driving one of those old four cylinder uh, <laughs> Volkswagen vans the the, the uh, I was I was in a station in a place called Gelnhausen West Germany and I had to drive all these kernels to I remember it was Hohensfeld or Grafenberg but it was it was like a total shit snowstorm we had to drive there I'd never driven I learned how to drive in the army in on one of those four cylinder uh, Volkswagen panel buses and we finally get into the the area and we're trying to figure out where the contaminant area is on on the map and I've, i've been up for like two days it's snowing there's zero visibility there was this major that was in the passenger chair with me and he went turn here turn here and i i hit the brakes and i spun that little jeep around like four or five times and in the back or the not the jeep but the van that i was driving and in the back of it was our battalion commander who is a full bird and every single one of the squadron commanders, you know, which which were lieutenant colonels, and that thing that thing must have went around like three or four times. It almost capsized. It come to a stop facing the other way on this like snowy road, and you could not hear a peep out of anybody in the back of that van. And they had been talking like you get a clearance so that lieutenant colonels can talk about the officers that they hate or you know what wife that they liked at the old club or whatever. You don't you know. So it's it's what's going on. And I got very calmly, the brigade commander said, all right, get back on the road and get us to our destination, get moving. And so I, I figured out how to recover that thing. I got back to where we needed to go. And the <laughs> the, the brigade uh, the commander took, the, uh, took a helicopter back and he made all the other lieutenant colonels drive with me. And, you know, the back of the bus on the way back. You, you got to teach them somehow. But anyway, that was the last time I was in a bus full of this many lieutenant colonels. I thought you guys would appreciate that. All right. Sorry, I was on mute having a lovely conversation with myself. All right. We're at two hours. Let's start closing comments. Bruce, Bruce anything you want to say to the uh, to the audience tonight? Um, I think we've said it pretty much all you know, so far, but I, I guess the thing that I keep thinking about is I just feel like there's something waiting, like what Dave said earlier, there's something waiting in the wings 
that we just don't know what it is yet. That's can't be that far away. And we just need to keep uh, being prepared. And also whenever that something happens and they try to rush every American into one direction to all believe one thing or fear one thing, that's when we all have to say, no, we're not going to, we're not going to do that. We're not going along into another uh, COVID lockdown experience. Dave. Well, like I said, I think we're, we're on the glide path. Uh, it's, it's, uh, we're going to come to decision points for the deep state. Do they, do they stick with Biden or do they throw him overboard? I, I don't think they can proceed with a guy from a medical perspective, uh, with any kind of realistic chance for him to make it through a second term. I understand he's on amphetamines right now just to get him going on a daily basis. So I do expect somebody else to sweep in from the wings. Oh, by the way, Steve, I wanted to ask you, you made the comment about Michelle Obama not being eligible to run. Is that because she'd be entering too late? Or why did you make that comment? She's not eligible to run for, there's a couple of reasons, but it's that's one of them. Yeah, I, I think by the time that comes along, she won't be eligible because I think she already would have had, a, would have had to have already filed that she was running um, by now. But I could be wrong, but I there's there's a couple of pieces of it. I mean, they don't care. They'll change the rules. They do that all the time. Anyhow, oh, they're they're lawyers. That's that's <laughs> what lawyers do. Yeah, that's what they yeah. do. But, you know, Troop, you were talking about um, messenger RNA and some of the disease process. Uh, you know, in addition to that, nanotechnology, nanites and things like that, there's those are emerging uh, emerging capabilities that we haven't people haven't really been exposed to uh technologically on a large scale but it's out there and and sometimes it's the devil you don't know that's going to get you i think there's i I think each of you gentlemen are, are barking up the right tree when you're talking about how to eat better get in better shape uh learn more about nutrition and things like that these are critical things going forward and I, certainly, I agree with you, Troop. We got to, people need to be getting in shape with, with what we expect to be coming because it's going to be too late when you get there. Um, other than that, I'm just, you know, I'm just looking at things on a day to day and week to week basis and uh, trying to get as ready as possible. Troop? Well, uh, thank you, Colonel Johnson and Colonel Conrad, for joining us. And I, I, I do like the non-compliance message because we don't know what's coming, but we do know they're never going to waste a crisis, whether they create the crisis or not. And we're done. We're done with complying and they don't have enough people to control a bunch of non-compliant people. So there's that we're out of time and they're going to try to figure out something. They've been working on this election. I wanted to touch on briefly with the primaries and with the caucus states even with the Democrats openly cheating and crossing over and voting for Nikki Haley and her campaign manager openly saying that that's what their, what their mechanism is to try to go against Trump. They're still not pulling in the numbers. Trump was the only one to carry New Hampshire three times out of anybody that's ever ran. If you vote, I know there's machines, there's mail-in voting and all this other bullshit, but you have to vote. It's your obligation to vote. Don't, think oh well they're cheating it won't matter it does matter 
they're making a huge difference. Now, if Trump is kicking their ass in the caucus states where they can openly cheat and cross over and vote, you know, vote for his uh, his competitor, they're not going to be able to do that in the general election if all the other Republicans get out there. And you're not going to be able to walk out the front door with your plate carrier and your AR unless you get out there and vote first. But it's just providing so much intelligence to us. And I will share a little bit of that. There's a lot of people, maybe even some of you, that have a property in one state or in, in one county or in one city, and you might still get, uh, you might still be on the on the voting registry there, right? And so you could vote if you wanted. You could vote in the, you know, one county, vote in another county, vote in another state, for whatever reason they want it. You know, they can integrate our licenses and our official recognition profiles, but they can't integrate our voting records. So that should tell you something, right? Uh, but when we do canvassing and we knock on doors and we have the the current voting list according to the county, and it says, you know, we say, hey, is Maribel there? Oh no, we rent the house from Maribel. She lives in California. Oh no, Maribel died eight, 18 years ago. She was our mom. You know, we just inherited the house or whatever. Well, when you see Maribel voting, you know that there's cheating happening. And if you don't vote, you're effectively allowing the Democrats two to three votes. So get out there and vote and do that. And then the other thing is water always have a minimum of 15 gallons of fresh ready to drink water in your home away from cat food pets cleaning supplies chemicals or any other harsh aromatics that would influence that water but not your pool water not some other water not water in the store not water in the trough not water in a pond nearby but actual fresh contained drinking water in your home a minimum of 15 gallons of that and i say have five gallons per person per day for five weeks as a goal uh, but I wanted to bring that up because I haven't brought that up in a while, Steve. So I'm going to end with that. That sounds good to me. I, my, I only have two things. The first one is wait for things to develop. Don't react and pivot off the first story and the first set of stories about a specific topic or situation. Wait to see how things develop. Be cynical about what you see. I, I, I've said this before. It bears repeating. I assume everything that comes out is BS until it's proven true. And usually, by the time it's proven true, parts of the real story have come out, so you have more context. Everything the elite do is all about an emotional response. If you get wrapped up in the emotional side of this, then they can manipulate you. Don't let them manipulate you. The best thing you can do is it, and this goes if you're getting a divorce and dealing with with a, you know, an ex that's a pain in the ass, that is messing with your kids, telling your friends lies. Keep everything all business all the time. Talk to the point. Look at the point. Think about the point. Don't get wrapped up in the emotions. And you will do, you will be able to see through a lot of things very very quickly because you won't be wrapped up in the emotional state that they want you in. Ninety percent of what you do in information warfare is about soliciting and keeping people hijacked. Once you jack them up, you can manipulate them and, and talk people into almost anything, especially if they're jacked up with fear. Don't let the fear overtake you. That's why I continually say, don't be scared, lose the fear. All of those things, and, and the only playbook they have left is fear if they can if they can goad the public into being scared then they can manip manipulate the public to walk into the gas chamber and whistle while they're doing it 
So don't get wrapped up in that. Look, everybody's going to die at some point. You got to stop being scared of that. It is what it is. We're at a place now where you're seeing people keel over from a variety of different ailments, different conditions, and different situations. There is no reason why you should be scared of that. And then the last thing is we're at the edge and the threshold of the event horizon. I don't think that event is fully baked yet. So whatever happens, be prepared as best as you can be and make as many and as strong of human connections as you can make. Put down social media, put down, put down your phone, walk away from your computer and go make human connections. God bless everyone. One team, one fight. We'll see you next week. Hurrah. Hurrah. What?